You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we are going to really fly through this. This might be a, this might be a brand new record for how short this is between um, my laptop being almost dead on battery, which is pretty sweet because I've actually got a uh, you know regular wall outlet in my van. The problem is there's this loud buzzing sound, which I think was because of that, which is freaking me out that I'm hurting my laptop. But uh, between that, <laughs> the Papa Fiesta in the background, sitting in the van, and um, taking entirely too long eating all the biscuits and gravy, um, and I mean eating all of the biscuits and gravy, you know, just got to kind of wrap this thing up. But anyways, um, I'm not planning on doing the uh, the chargers today because, uh, you know, I want to spend a little more time researching that. This isn't exactly the right environment to do so. So I want to comb through and find a few questions, a few comments that I've received, uh, especially comments because usually I'm just looking for questions, but maybe comment on a few comments. Then I'll let you fine, fine folks get back to your beautiful, probably, I don't know, it's rainy and dreary here, but I'll let you get back to your fine little uh, Sunday activities. That, by the way, is the buzzing. I'm going to see if I can do a post-production type stuff to get rid of that. I think I know how to do that. Also, bonus for you... I don't have all my links sitting here, and I'm not really in the mood anyway, so... Anyways, there are going to be links in the description. If you want a t-shirt or something, there you go. Otherwise, let's just take a break, and uh, we'll just dive into whatever we're going to dive into. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the first question that I got was, um, well, not the first, the most recent, but it was, do you think we could trade Kyler Fackrell and what do you think we could get for him? So if I wanted to just answer the question directly, I would say, yes, we could trade him. I'm guessing somebody would be willing to take him for something. The question is what? And really, the bigger question is, is can we find a sucker? Because, <laughs> look, for the most part, you know, if, if, if we wanted to put a really positive spin on this, Kyler Fackrell is young. Kyler Fackrell was a mid-slash-early-ish draft pick. And Kyler Fackrell had a, we'll call it a breakout season, which you could say that. There's no question on paper when you just, I mean, if we're just looking at sacks, he had a great year. So really, it kind of becomes a sliding scale. I mean, my, my instant gut reaction is nobody's dumb enough to not know the reality of the situation, which is the stats are lying a little bit. If you look at the amount of pressures that he got, it's not that high. It's not bad, but it's not that high. So the odds of him ever really being able to get that many sacks again is pretty low unless he's able to get that high of a sack conversion rate again. But that's not a bad thing. And beyond that, the guy's pretty athletic, so his ability to, you know, drop into coverage, be that kind of a versatile outside linebacker type of guy, you know, he's not, he's sort of the opposite of, not the opposite, but the other side of the coin of a 
Zadarius. Zadarius, his his most lean, if we're called, I don't know how to describe the scale, but on one hand you've got sort of the nose tackle in the middle stick of the mud, and then all the way to the other side you've got the, say, Oren Burks. Fackrell's range is from pass rushing outside linebacker to coverage outside linebacker, whereas Zadarius is outside linebacker to defensive end. Fackrell's never going to be that big to be on the inside. He's never going to be strong side, or you don't want him to be strong side. He's not a very good run defender, but if you just want him to speed rush off the edge, maybe stunt inside or drop into coverage, he's got some ability there. The fact of the matter, though, if you look at compensation around the league, unfortunately, there's not a lot of money going out. I don't think we could get... And again, I know... I'm, I don't know if I want to say I'm biased. I tend to just think I'm correct on this. I don't think we're going to get as much as we, as we got for HaHa, which was a fourth. If I had to just put a number on it, maybe like a sixth. You know, Brett Hundley, who is a bad quarterback that we gave up as a backup, we got a sixth-round pick for it. Now, Fackrell's going to give you more production than Brett Hundley, but he's, not, he's also not a quarterback. I, I kind of actually, as I'm thinking about it, I feel like, and, and understand, I don't want to trade Kyler Fackrell because I, I like him enough that for him to be depth is a, is a good thing because the depth kind of falls off. Especially when we factor in, we don't know what we're getting out of anybody. We don't know what Preston's going to give us. We don't know what Zadarius is going to give us. We don't know what Rashawn is going to give us. We have to assume or at least hope that we're going to get something from someone, but, you know, not to the point where it's like, well, we just don't even need uh, Kyler Fackrell. I would rather keep him, but if you told me you're not allowed to keep him, you got to get rid of him, I feel like a happy medium to where I feel like I'm getting decent enough value, but I also feel like it's not entirely impossible, would be in and around a fifth-round pick. All right, Kyler Fackrell is 27. If you can get the right team, get a 3-4 team, get a team like, you know, kind of like the Rams who went and picked up Clay, right? It doesn't really make sense. Why are you getting Clay? You know he's not going to get you much. Well, because they don't have anything, because they're on the cusp of winning a lot, and they just need some help. Now, are they going to get Clay and Fackrell? No, but that's just an example of what I'm talking about. Another example, yeah, I don't know, maybe like the Ravens. I don't exactly know how close they are, but they got close last year, and if they feel like their quarterback is going to be able to take them the distance, they got to replace guys like Terrell Suggs. I don't know that Fackrell really fits in the Suggs mold, but you, you get my point, right? If we can find the right team, the right fit, and, and, you know, kind of do a hard sell on the value of Fackrell, um, I would say fifth round is about as good as it's going to get. The only way we get a fourth round pick is if somebody legitimately believes that this guy is a legitimate starter, right? He's it. He's going to be the guy. But again, to be completely honest, I'd rather just keep him and see if maybe I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just it. Maybe he is like an 8 to 12 sack guy every year especially if we're just putting him on a rotation and making him situational, right? You know, I mean, situational based on this is a great matchup because their, uh, you know, their left tackle is decent, but he's more of a power guy. And if, if you can beat him with speed, you know, he's kind of a stick-in-the-mud kind of guy. So on third and long, Kyler Fackrell's going out there every single game, and that could be one of his three-sack game kind of, because that was, that was pretty much what he did last year. He got so many sacks because I think he had two games with three sacks in him. Well, that's six sacks in two games. I think I think it's just he's... He doesn't do a lot well, but the things he does well, I think he does really well. And it's a, it's a versatile tool to have, right? The Packers like guys that can do everything. But I don't think it's a bad thing to have a guy that does one thing really, really well. Especially when that one thing is, is sacking the quarterback. 
even if he's not doing it every down, that's fine because we have guys that are going to be handling every down responsibilities. Just find that situation where Kyler can come in and dominate and be like, all right, man, you're up. This is your three-sack game. Go get me three. So, you know, in that case, do I want a fifth? No, man, I want my 27-year-old pass rusher. I want the pass rush depth. I, I hate the phrase, you can never have too many pass rushers, because in a literal sense, that's false. right? If you have 43, that's too many. However, I don't mind stacking up. Kind of like what I've been saying about defensive line slash outside linebacker this whole time. Getting just a ton of talent up front is not a bad thing. There was a time, maybe two years ago, where I would have said that's unnecessary. I know, because I was saying that about the Eagles. I was saying that about the Jaguars until they went out and did it and had dominant defenses. Now I don't say that so much anymore. Now I see Mike Pettin going out and saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. Mike Pettin with defensive linemen is like me with biscuits and gravy. I just would like more, please. Yeah, I know I've mentioned that a few times. I just, I'm, I'm very excited about it, all right? There's only a handful of things that I get excited about, and um, biscuits and gravy when I travel south is one of them. And it's everywhere. Free hotel breakfast has like six options. One of them is biscuits, the other is gravy. And then the third option is the side emergency cold biscuits. Otherwise, they have like a toaster and toast and water. I love it down here. But them's my thoughts on, on Kyler. Yes, we can trade him. No, we're not going to get very much. And no, I don't really want to get rid of him. I don't think you can get rid of a guy who had double-digit sacks and is 27 years old. I just I don't think that's written in the book anywhere. There isn't a chapter on that in the book. I'm going to take commentary, by the way, provided by my son, who doesn't know how to play games on my phone without um, narrating them. But we're going to take one more little break and then uh, get into a couple little things, and we'll be done. <laughs> All right, so that conversation kind of actually leads in pretty nicely into the uh, the next one, which is more of a comment, and that was from Eric once again, saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm essentially just going to echo what he said because he's correct, um, trading Mike Daniels is tough, number one, because of his age, number two, because of his cost. However, um, I think the way that you do it is very similar to the way that you do it with Kyler Fackrell, except it's, it's he's a completely opposite player. With Kyler Fackrell, you got all the numbers, but I think if you look through the numbers, it's still kind of a mediocre player. Mike Daniels didn't have the numbers. He's still a really good player, and I think teams know that. So I think similarly, and beyond that, he's going to have a bigger market, I would say, because he's not as... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You all right there? Okay. And we got the rain going. Super. Ambiance. Beyond that, you don't have scheme dependency quite as much he can fit pretty much anywhere 
He's been playing in a 3-4 scheme. I think he'd be great in a 4-3 scheme as a guy that just shoots a gap. Teams know Mike Daniels. They know he's the guy. I mean, before Kenny Clark came around, he was it. He was the guy. He was the guy everybody was worried about along that front. He was the guy that had to eat up all the double teams. He was he was the main man, and everybody knows that. So, yeah, I mean, nobody likes his age, and nobody really wants to pay for a guy that's that old. But if you're talking short term, I mean, again, coming back to the fact that Jordy Nelson and Clay Matthews both got jobs. Granted, it was at low cost, but there are teams that want to fill out their roster, and there are also teams that want to really get over the hump. And Clay Ma- or Mike Daniels is a guy that's going to get you there. I mean, I, I think, again, the Rams make sense. Mike Daniels is a better pass rusher than Ndamukong Sue is. I know Ndamukong Sue has a massive reputation. He's a really big guy, all that stuff. He's had a great career. At, there was a time in which he was better than Mike Daniels, but that time is not right now. If you want a guy that's going to get after the quarterback along the interior, uh, Mike Daniels, uh, the Raiders, I think the Raiders would, would uh, take a flyer on him. Now, they're not knocking at the door necessarily, so it kind of doesn't make sense, but I could see them doing that. I could see them going after a, a real big pass rusher on the interior. Kind of seems like a Raiders guy. You know, he's got that mean mentality. I think it's somebody that Gruden would absolutely love. And, and, and I've talked about several times how Mayock has said, you know, every quarterback he's ever talked to, uh, every one of the top quarterbacks in his career that he's talked to said in, interior pressure is the number one problem. So, yeah, I, I, I think there are teams. I, I It doesn't make good financial sense, right? It doesn't make sense as a GM and you're, you're checking off your checklist and everything else, Mike Daniels isn't the guy that you're going after. But again, there are situations, number one, bad GMs. Um, making. I, I think it would be a bad decision for the Rams because you're just not there yet and you're wasting your money because you're not going to get there. And by the time maybe you're ready to get there, Mike Daniels is long gone. I guess I don't know that for sure. If you give him you know, three years, which is probably too much, maybe in his third year. But again, I'm not trying to talk about how many teams are going to take them if every team made wise decisions, right? The, if you think teams know what they're doing, you're just not paying attention. I usually on this podcast give people the benefit of the doubt and, and try not to pretend I'm smarter than a GM, but let's face it. You look at what's going on around the NFL, I think a lot of us, I think if, if me and, and five or six of you got together, we could probably do a better job running the Jets than the Jets are right now or the Giants than the Giants are right now. So there's a mix of teams in which it does make sense. There's a mix of teams that... Uh, you know, don't make good decisions, but get enamored by good football players. And, and they know that if they just lay down the credit card and, and you know, pay the money for Mike Daniels, they're going to get a player. They're going to get a great locker room guy. They're going to get a great attitude guy. They're going to gr- get a great defensive player. They're going to get pass, you know, their their pass rush is going to go way up. He's a guy that, you, I mean, he, he it's the reason that I don't want to get rid of him. However, Again, getting back to the wise, intelligent, prudent GM move, it would be to move on from Mike Daniels after this year. As much as it would hurt us, in the long run, it's the smarter move to make. Because you can't keep guys forever. And, you know, you got to make plans. You got to make exit plans. And paying him a lot of money when he's on the downswing of his career is not the prudent thing to do, as much as it's not fun to have to think about. But uh, Eric mentioned the Rams, the Saints, and the Chiefs. I think those all make sense. Uh, The Rams I already mentioned, next to Aaron Donald with that team, would be just incredible. Uh, The Saints, they're right there knocking on the door. Just off the top of my head right now, I kind of feel like the Saints are are sort of the team to beat. I mean, it's it's not a super crazy claim considering what they were last year, but I just 
they're kind of like the Packers in that I feel like they can only get better. There, there's not a lot of, of guys that, if anything, certain guys underproduce like their their draft pick in the first round. But yeah, you throw a Mike Daniels in that mix, it's going to be incredible. And the Chiefs as well. I mentioned how with Spagnolo, he likes smaller guys along the interior that are good pass rushers and whatnot. And um, so I, I just I think he would fit in. He, he wants to stack the defensive front just like a lot of other teams are doing. He's been working on that. He got a lot of bodies. And he has two really, really good pass rushers in Frank Clark and uh, uh, the Jones guy, whatever his name is. But yeah, you plug him in, and it's just it's a different dynamic. And as much as I downplayed the team, the offense is still a good offense. Right, if you if you think about um, Kelsey as a receiving threat and Mahomes as you know the a top five quarterback with a decent running back and and Sammy Watkins in that offense is still a decent enough wide receiver. It's still a good offense. Then you've got a defense that has a lot of holes, but they've got a good front, and as we've seen, that makes all the difference. Suddenly the corners start playing better. Suddenly the the safeties start playing better. That's what we learned from the Bears, right? The Bears had a, their front primarily locked up with with. Uh, Khalil Mack and a couple other high-level contributors, and suddenly the corners and the safeties and everything else are, are top tier. Not saying that the Chiefs would ever achieve that. The Bears have good players, but it just makes everybody else on that defense better. So yeah, that would also make sense. I'm going to take a final break and then um, answer one last question and we'll be done for the D. So the final question comes from Ernie in the Facebook group and he asks why the Packers don't run a run-and-shoot offense. So as I've said, I'm not much of a football historian, and even though this isn't really much history, pretty much my scope is anything that I'm picking up, primarily from the Packers and then a little bit around the league as it stands. I don't believe anybody in the NFL is actually running this right now, so my knowledge of it is very limited. But essentially, it's a very heavy pass uh, offense. You're running four wide receivers all the time. But uh, Ernie went on to say that it's the justification for it would be that the Packers love to pass and they don't really like to use tight ends very much. Well, there's there's a couple different things. First of all, again, I I I kind of like it. You know, I, I I had to go read up on it a little bit, but the sound of it sounds fantastic and it feels like something the NFL would be doing. Strangely enough, though, they're not, and I have to assume it's for good reason. I wouldn't mind incorporating it at times. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is as much as, you know, I would love to sit and theorize about things that could work, you know, especially with our wide receiver group, as much as it's not ultra-talented at the front end outside of Devontae Adams, you start going four wide, you've got the three guys after Devontae Adams that, you know, maybe they're not second tier, but they're all right at the top of the third tier. And the reason that's of benefit is that you're going to have other teams that are going to have you know, the number one corner can't match up with Devontae. The number two probably can match up with our number two, but their number three can't match up with our number three. Their number four can't match up with our number four, right? Because as their corners slowly deteriorate, ours kind of level off. So just from that standpoint, it kind of makes sense. Creates a lot of different mismatches. It really stretches them out. We're able to attack from many different places. And guys, I can do a lot of different things. You know, you got Marquez that's going to go deep. You got Devontae that can... You know, he's a really good route runner. You got uh, Geronimo that's, you know, got the good hands, good third down guy. Equinemius has got the speed. He's got the height. He's got the hand. He's got kind of a little bit of everything, which is why I really like him. But, again, as much as it would be fun to talk about, um, it actually feels like the Packers are going in the opposite direction, whereas Mike McCarthy, if anybody, would be the one that's going to run that. 
Lafleur is, is coming at it from that's a motorcycle by the way if you can hear that it is just a noise I mean I'm in a noise machine I think he wants I think to emphasize tight ends he wants to emphasize the run he wants to de-emphasize spreading the ball out and set in, in other words whereas Mike McCarthy liked to do three wide and a little bit of four wide um, Lafleur my understanding really likes to emphasize just two wide receivers so whereas you know you if you had a spectrum, you would have um, the run and shoot coming inside. You'd have Mike McCarthy, and then inside a little bit more, you've got Lafleur. So to answer your question directly, why don't they? I don't know. But the fact that nobody in the NFL is really utilizing this, I, I'm guessing there's a good reason. And maybe it's just sort of the the NFL going more toward mismatches, right? The whole I'm just going to get my wide receivers and line them up. Well, everybody's getting light. Everybody's going out and getting the the light, fast linebackers and the good corners and the good safeties. It's just not good enough. So offenses are adapting. I, I don't know. I'm making this up on the fly. I'm, I'm just saying, in a pass happy NFL, the NFL is getting away from just lining up wide receivers and having them running all over the place because it's just not working. Defense is eventually caught up. Offenses have to adapt. And strangely enough, as much as even, you know, the Rams and the 49ers and the Redskins and the, the Packers, who all have a similar sort of, of you know, run-heavy West Coast offense, as much as they still focus primarily what? on passing the football. The got me. Wow. Gotta watch out for that, folks. But as much as they focus primarily on passing, they're run-heavy. Right? I, I, I don't know. Bottom line is it's much more complicated. And the simplicity of the run and shoot, even though it, it actually sounds complicated, because if you really dig into what it is, it's, you know, you're using motion and then the receivers are actually changing their routes and all this other crazy stuff. But I think bringing it in tight, utilizing tight ends to mismatch these linebackers, utilizing running backs out of the backfield, all these different kind of components, that's just kind of the way of the NFL right now. And, and that's definitely very far from what LaFleur wants to do. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to watch it and see how it all comes together. But anyways, uh, like I said, it's going to be a short one. I'm going to leave it at that. Try to get an earlier start tomorrow so I can actually get a full-length podcast and maybe talk about the Chargers. But anyways, enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.